0: In December 2020, I received an email from a man in Kenya. It's not unusual to receive emails from men all over the world, men who usually identify themselves as pastors. In this case, this man said he was an electrician, but he also said he helped with a group of young people. I guess it, at his church group. He seemed genuinely interested in things of God. He wanted to talk to me about a few things. He asked a few questions. I really prefer to ask God when they have questions. But he asked me, and I talked to him. Then I replied to his email, and he sent me another email. and asked me a few things about Scripture, and I replied to his email, and he sent me another email, and finally the truth came out. He told me he had a group of young people that he worked with, and they were extremely poor, and he needed me to send Bibles for the group. This is not at all unusual. I've had so many emails since we went on internet in March 2012 from men who identify themselves as pastors, and they want me to send something to them, but they start off with flattery, usually saying how much they like what I write. They may send one or two emails before they get around to asking what they really want which is something from me either money or Bibles or computers or cameras and one of them asks for um, a projector it's always something that they want some material objects they want they see me and you and other people as being the source of provision for them. Basically, they make merchandise out of us. As we were warned in the following scripture, Peter talked about them in Second Peter chapter 2. He says there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privilege shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction and many shall follow their pernicious ways. By reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Now verse 3 is the key. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. They will come pretending one thing when really their goal is something completely different. Which is to get us to send something to them. In the case of this man who identified himself as an electrician, I was reminded of something Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees. Or rather, Jesus said this about the scribes and Pharisees. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born, And they lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. That's Matthew 23, 4. In other words, he's an electrician. He probably makes money as an electrician. Surely he does. Why doesn't he put aside some of his money if he thinks these young people need Bibles? And buy them a Bible. Why doesn't he do it? That's what I think Jesus is talking about in Matthew 23, 4. They won't lift one finger themselves to do that which they want us to do. This is wrong and it's evil. I also thought of something else. With these young people who didn't have Bibles... If I couldn't afford to buy them Bibles myself, I think what I would do is take a verse of Scripture each week when we gathered and let them copy that verse of Scripture down on a piece of paper. Then tell them to go away and think on that Scripture and try to apply it to their own lives. And then next week... When we met, I would hear their report of how they were able to use that scripture in their own lives. That would get the Word of God into them in a way that's much stronger than just reading a Bible. It would become a part of them and live in them and guide them strongly. I would teach them to meditate on a single scripture each week and build up scriptures through the year that way. I believe that would be more valuable than anything you can do. As I was sharing this with Pam Page, a member of the Body of Christ, she was reminded of the parchments that Paul wrote. They didn't have Bibles when Paul spoke to the New Testament church. Matter of fact, what he spoke ended up being our Bible. But what he did is in different places, he would write to the churches and then he would say things like, now share this with the church at Laodicea. Share this with the church at Athens. Share this with the other church. But it was a parchment that he had written. Each one of them, they weren't all going to have these letters in print even for themselves unless they copied something down. Well, God added to the church tremendously during those days. I know the same thing would happen today if you approached it this way today. He's not going to cause them to be godly the way he is going. Neither are these men who come as pastors hiding the real reason that they are writing to me with feigned words, pretended words. But their real goal is to make merchandise of me. This is a terrible thing, but it goes on, and we should know about it. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Jesus said he was going to send his disciples out. And they must be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We must not be deceived by these men. Jesus did not want us to be deceived. In the last days, he said the following to his disciples of what would happen. And the first thing Jesus said to his disciples is, Be not deceived. Don't let them deceive you. Many will come in my name, says Jesus, saying, I am Christ, and they will deceive many. This is Matthew 24, verses 4 and 5. Jesus said to these men in Matthew 23, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Verse 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. This is a strong indictment against ministers who steal from the widows and their congregations and have no pity for anyone and won't lift a finger to help anyone of their own group. They want someone else to do it all. This is a shame. I don't give to these men who do this. They come to me deceptively. They worm their way in to my life with deception Pretending to love the Word of God when they really have an ulterior motive of wanting money or merchandise from me. Pam Paget reminded me that a few years ago we did send a book to a man. And she said, that is so difficult to do when it's overseas, when it's in Africa. She said she had to go through several procedures at customs to be able to do this. I know when something is difficult that God's yoke is easy and his burden is light. If it is difficult to do it, it can't be the will of God. You don't have the plan of God. God is not in this. One of the first things God taught me was Matthew chapter 11. Let's look at that. As a new Christian, God showed me to go by this guideline concerning the will of God. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So if something is difficult, complex, expensive, you don't have the plan of God. Don't do it. In that case, you stop and pray, asking God for wisdom, asking God to show you his will and what you should do. Matthew 11, start at verse 28. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. A lot of times people are very prideful and they want to keep up with the Joneses and they take a very hard yoke upon them, or they take the ideas of other men and try to pursue it, or they want a big reputation among men and And they buy a bigger house than they can afford, a bigger car than they can afford. They buy things they cannot afford, and then they get in trouble. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We've just gone through this terrible coronavirus of 2020. When it hit, what was your financial condition? Did you owe any money? Did you have a mortgage? Did you owe car payments? If so, you went through a lot more difficulty than some of us did. In 1975, when I was born again, God showed me, the first thing he showed me was get out of debt and stay out of debt. And I've lived that way since 1975. So when coronavirus hit, I didn't owe anything. There was no mortgage. There was no car payment. There was no payment of any kind to anyone because I had no debt. That sounds fantastic to some of you that it's even possible, but it is. If you take his joke upon you and you learn of him, he says he's meek and lowly in heart. My cleaning woman came to me a few years ago, and she said, don't you ever feel you have to keep up with the Joneses? And I thought about it. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. My car was 25 years old at the time. I, my clothing was anything but impressive, modest, but not impressive. Impressive. I had a nice house that I lived in but most people don't see the house you live in when you're at the grocery store. They see the clothes you're wearing and the car you're driving. Well, mine looked like anything but prosperous. It looked, it's just the way I preferred living. I would not have gone in debt because God showed me not to go in debt. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light if your yoke is difficult at the moment you can start praying and ask God to help you go forward another way And to show you the things that you need to change. Because changes need to be made to your life. I don't believe we're going to go back to the type of life we had before coronavirus. I think coronavirus is a prelude to the Great Tribulation where things will really change. Even if they get coronavirus under control. I believe many of your lives will be changed significantly by the situation, and I don't believe it will be exactly the way it was before. But that doesn't mean it has to be bad. In fact, you could live a much better life than you did before if you pay attention to scriptures such as this and scale back your ambitions and your pride and your arrogancy, which causes you to have to have all these things. For all of these things will be destroyed in the fire at the end of this world. God will destroy the heaven and the earth by fire. He takes the believer out before he does this and takes us to the new heaven and the new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. I'm quoting from Second Peter chapter 3 and I'm also quoting from Revelation 21 verses 1 through 5 so you can read that. But things are going to change dramatically. You cannot afford to continue the way you've lived in the past if you have lived away of the world and by a plan of this world you should look at first timothy chapter 6 to see god's plan the first thing he says in first timothy chapter 6 is if any man thinks gain is a sign of godliness get away from that person paraphrasing for godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it's sure that we will take nothing out of this world and when you read Second Peter chapter 3 you will see that everything we can see with our natural eye today is going to be destroyed So your investment is in vain if your investment is in something that you can see with your natural eye. So what should our investment be? It should be in following the Word of God, the unseen, following scriptures, conforming our life to the scriptures brought to our attention by the Holy Spirit at doing those things. There was one period of time in my life when I deliberately tried to follow the scripture where Paul said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who made himself of no reputation. Though he was the Son of God, he made himself of no reputation. Most of us have lived lives where we have wanted to impress other people one way or another. We have wanted them to consider us to be important or special. We've done things to make them put us more on the top list, so to speak. I went through several weeks where I deliberately held back information that would make me look good in their eyes. You can stop and think about this. Jesus was meek and lowly in heart. And if we go that direction, we will find rest for our souls. It's the way we live that puts such a burden on us. It's our goals, our ambitions, our strivings, our trying to be like the world, trying to even be above people of the world. I know that's what we're taught to do from the time we enter school and sometimes even before we enter school. We're taught to do those things. But that is not the way of God. So in the end times here, if you want to go in the way of God, you're most likely going to have to change some of your thinking. And you will change your thinking by scripture. That's the only thing powerful enough to really change us. So whatever scriptures you see, start doing them. Make it your goal to go forward doing that whatever scripture is called to your attention by the Spirit of God. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.